0: Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Two Weird Hungry Girls podcast. I'm Phoebe, your host, and I have a very special guest with me today for this episode. And uh, with all of the talk about German eating and Oktoberfest this month, I feel like the best person to connect with for this episode is my friend Nadia Hassani, who is the author of Spoonfuls of Germany. German regional cuisine and she's also the author of Spoonfuls of Germany, the blog website. And Nadia, you've been blogging for how long?
1: Spoonfuls of Germany I started exactly four years ago in September two thousand twelve mm-hmm. when I realized I was working for the um for a new or updated edition of my book and I realized that there were many more recipes to share and many more stories. So it basically started as the overflow from the book. Mm -hmm. And I thought I would just put in a few recipes and stories. And so four years later, I'm still at it.
0: Wow. So thank you so much for joining me, because it seems like uh, we're seeing in social media, maybe in your in-mail inboxes for your email, like invitations to go to Oktoberfest parties. And I think that a lot of times we feel like an Oktoberfest is maybe beer and brats, which might be a big misconception in the States for what German food is all about. So let me know, tell me a little bit about what you feel like you would share or the foods you would love to share with your guests if they were going to come and visit and wanted a representation of like, what's some great German food?
1: Well, first of all, I... I... I don't have anything against Oktoberfest mm-hmm. because it's 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 a big German tradition, but it is a Bavarian event, so it's in the south of Germany, and uh, I personally have never been there. I'm, I mean, I I'm from kind of uh, central Germany. My mother's from the north, so um, I've never been to Oktoberfest, and but in, it's a regional. Um, it's a regional tradition. And what happened is that it became so prominent in the United States as the representation once a year of German food where it's everywhere. But um, it it's really a little, a small part of many, many different traditions in Germany. But the Koberfest basically has just monopolized or taken over this idea of the German food and German hospitality and uh, so that's what happens, and of, uh, part of it is maybe also that um, the that Bavarian cuisine has also kind of occupied. And I don't mean this in the negative sense, but has when you think of German cuisine, people often think of really the Bavarian dishes like dumplings and and pork roast and sauerkraut and uh, beer. But that is, I mean, except for the beer of course, but those dishes are really Bavarian. So Bavaria has done a very good job of um, of uh, portraying itself as German food in, in in the United States and occupying that spot and not leaving maybe enough room for the other cuisines. But that has been changing also in recent years. But Bavarian cuisine really has this prominent position in the German food landscape. That's though. really
0: interesting. I never knew that there was such a barbarian influence then in German, I don't want to say in German cuisine, but in our perception of what it is.
1: In the perception, absolutely. Is- I mean, because Germany is, is a country that's made of different different regions with very different uh, regional traditions, but Bavarian food, or yeah, Bavarian food, uh, the food of the south of Germany, ha- is the one that's the most well known uh, in in the United States.
0: What are some uh, like what are some of the dishes that you would want to share with a guest if they came into your home that would be like a true representation of some I don't want to say popular but some some food that's very representative of your culture that would as an introduction to German food?
1: Well, that really would very much depend, and that brings me to an important point about German cuisine. It would very much depend on the season. So if you were coming here now in the fall, it would be um, maybe something with chestnuts because I unbeknownst to many people, there's an area in Germany where chestnut trees have been grown for a long time. So I would now in October, I would make, a, I think, a cream of chestnut soups, which is mm-hmm. one of my fall favorites. A cream and I of have chestnut. This, Chestnuts, yes, Oh okay. chestnuts. And I had this interesting um, experience years ago when friends were visiting from um, from Berlin, and they, it was around this time of the year. And I made that chestnut soup, cream of chestnut soup. And they said, "Oh, this is really an excellent soup." And uh, they said, "It's an Italian recipe, isn't it?" Because. Northern Italy is known for its chestnuts. I said, no, guys, actually, this is um, from Palatinate, which is an area uh, central-south Germany. And they were very surprised. And so uh, I basically had to, to tell them about... This long chestnut tradition in that area of Germany so yeah it would be uh, it would be chestnuts it would be uh, something with beets maybe um, if I could get my hand on some venison in Germany in the fall venison is very um I mean will find very important and you can find it I mean nice restaurants or good restaurants have um, have venison or boar a roast of boar mm-hmm. um So And certainly something with mushrooms in in the fall. If you came here in the spring, it would be different. It might be a soup of um, something with fresh spring herbs uh, or the signature dish of my hometown, Frankfurt, which is a seven-herb sauce, something with uh, maybe uh, rhubarb also, which is important. So it really would depend on which time of the year you came here because German cuisine – has always been very seasonal. So then, of course, in May you have the white asparagus. May June you have the white asparagus. Every restaurant in, in during that time of the year serves something with white asparagus. So German cuisine is very seasonal, and uh, and that really um, that's why you can't really say this is this is the dish for the entire year. It's it it really, it really varies depending on. Uh, when and where you are. Also. Mm-hmm.
0: So you didn't once mention um, brats and sauerkraut yet in your list. No, I just.
1: <laughs> well, I, I'm nothing against those. Uh-huh. I, I mean, on a cold winter day, um, they are good, but they are just. There's there's a lot of other things that are um, just uh, also healthier and mm-hmm. something a little more um, where you can cook with fresh ingredients because sour, I mean sauerkraut is super healthy and I love it. it it's very tasty if it's it's well done but let's if I have a fresh vegetable I can cook I, I during the, especially during the seasons when I can get my hands on fresh produce locally then I would rather use that and so while I'm very much into german food because um that's my culinary heritage I'm also very much into local ingredients and seasonal fresh food from as close as I can get it Mm -hmm. and those two don't have to be mutually exclusive you can cook basically any cuisine including German cuisine you can cook I always say you can cook global and buy or grow local Mm
0: -hmm. I like I like that notion that you can still buy local and cook global so what are there are there some kind of um seasonings or um ingredients like is there uh, is there like a creamy base or the use of sour cream or a particular herb that's traditional to german cooking I mean that's a broad question because we're talking we could talk about savory to sweet like elderberries to i don't know caraway seed in
1: a savory Not application Not really I mean uh it really depends what you make and but <laughs> like a, a standard seasoning I I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing that's, that's used throughout Germany is for something very important in baking and, and, and desserts, which is the vanilla sugar. Oh, what is so vanilla sugar? Vanilla sugar is basically sugar's uh, white um, sugar that's um, that has is vanilla flavored, okay. and um, you can buy it in little sachets in Germany. And actually, there are two different types. There's the real vanilla sugar in which um, ground vanilla beans are added, mm-hmm. and then there is also um, a synthetic a synthetically um, produced one that smells like vanilla, but is I think it's something um, made out of conifers. It's not. It's not completely artificial but it is basically a substitute and uh, but the melilla sugar is uh, is added to almost every cake or uh, baked goods sweet baked goods and uh, desserts that's really something that's used all over and it's very easy to make your own uh, you don't have to go in and I mean in the United States it's hard to find and it's very easy to make your own and I always have a big jar in the pantry I use it for a lot of things I didn't know that
0: I should try to make some, but I do you use that in your cookbook? Is it listed in your cookbook, in the baking section? I'm looking through some of the baking recipes.
1: No. Um, at that point, I don't think I had really discovered that I can uh, um, make it myself so easily. And at that time also, which the book came out in 2004, and, and the supply situation, so to speak, has changed Quite a bit since. So at that time, I was pretty reluctant to not to include things that people had a hard time uh, finding. And so I think um, in most of the recipes, I was just using substituting vanilla extract because it's much easier. Uh, but uh, now I would mainly go for the vanilla sugar, and usually mm-hmm. also on my blog I provide the formula for um, homemade vanilla sugar.
0: Oh, okay. Is that on the blog? Is that on your yes, blog? Oh, okay. Good. Yes. That's something we can search for on the blog.
1: And oh. one thing to do with vanilla sugar also, I mean, sometimes people tell you or some recipes tell you to basically just put a, a split of vanilla bean in half and put it in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a container with sugar and then let it sit and wait. But I, I don't have the patience. I don't oh. do this. I basically grind, buy the vanilla um, the powder, and then I put it in the food processor. Oh, uh, and then I um, it uh, it it's makes a very intensely f- uh, flavored vanilla sugar. And then you have, but you do have to cover the food processor because it creates incredible dust. But oh. that's the most intense vanilla sugar that you can get. And that's my little formula that I use. Oh, I like that. I'll have to try that
0: sometime uh, this winter with maybe some baking recipes. Um, so most of your, almost all of your recipes in the cookbook have a story with the recipe. Is that important to you with some of these in particular? Because I'm looking here and there's, you know, you talk about destinations in Germany and locations. Are there family recipes in here or recipes that were passed down that are special to you from your cookbook?
1: Definitely. I mean, there's my grandmother's black forest cake, which um, I mean, of course, I'm kind of partial, but I have never found a black forest forest cake that tasted as good as that. But of course, I mean, that's maybe my palate is just prejudiced at that point but um so then there is some there are some other recipes from family and friends but generally yes I mean I do think that it's um I mean there is no recipe um that doesn't really have a story either it's because how the recipe came about or how it changed over time because it was um sometimes things just started because there's a famine and then there's this new food was discovered for example there's um, in Germany there's green spelt which is the the spelt grains when they're um, unripe and there was at the time there was um, a famine in that area southern area of Germany and so um, the uh, the farmers harvested the spelt uh, uh, unripe and green and uh, and um and roasted it and turn and it turned out to be a very nutritious delicious food and that became one of the uh, like new age foods yes. it's been always around but in the last few years it's been rediscovered and it's really great for soups and things like uh vegan patties and mm-hmm. or even um vegetarian hamburgers and things like that so uh that that came about as as a food during a famine so every every Recipe, whether it's the the recipe itself, how it was changed over time, or uh, some of the ingredients, every recipe has a story. And through this, through the recipe, often you you just learn so much about the country. I, I have to say, I, when I was in high school, uh, at the time the um, we didn't have really history as a subject in school, so my 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 knowledge about German. History is pretty was pretty basic, and then when I started getting into German food and researching little tidbits of history, I feel like I've filled the blank, the many blank spots I had about German history just by researching the food because my yeah my, my knowledge was so so basic and there were so many things I had no idea about and through the food I basically acquired so much knowledge still piecemeal but somehow Mm a bigger picture uh, just through the food and researching the recipes. Mm -hmm. How do
0: how can someone who doesn't have a lot of knowledge about especially German cuisine and it being Oktoberfest month how can someone learn a little bit more about German culture or German food culture?
1: Oh, that's a tough question because yeah. most of the let's say the websites the easily accessible things on the internet is a lot of the already well-known things mm-hmm. uh, but I do think that for example the German tourist board is uh, is really trying to show more about regional specialties and mm-hmm. and uh, so showing of course a more diverse picture then also the um, there's um, uh, a the German uh, it's, it's basically the government-run um, radio program, Deutsche Welle. They have a program, and I recently just watched the short program about uh, Black Forest cake and a chef in the Black Forest who's um, who showed that only regional ingredients, uh, the, uh, the cherries from the orchards nearby, go into the cake. So you have to look wow. around a little bit, but, mm-hmm. uh, because most of the stuff you really have to dig through that thick layer of of uh, of the of Oktoberfest um, before you get to some more diverse
0: things. Uh, now, if someone, if we could direct someone, or if we can direct people to your website, and you could uh, maybe share maybe two or three recipes that are some of your favorites, um, that maybe someone can experiment with this month in honor of like Oktoberfest. Aside from the what was it, the cream of chestnut soup? That one, I think that one's online, isn't it?
1: Yes, the it cream is cream of chestnut.
0: Yes. there maybe mm-hmm. other two other recipes that are seasonal for this time of year that people could try for the first time. And pretzels, soft pretzels don't count.
1: No, I don't. <laughs> I, don't think. I don't think I would count them. Um, I'll have to think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, And we can always put
0: them in the show notes, too. If you want to just email me later, we can always just put them in the show notes for this episode. I
1: I would want to pick really the the best and also Mm -hmm. the most – the the easiest to prepare because I always think it's important that people – um, have, ac- have access when I suggest something or I, make, I I present a new recipe on my blog. I want to make sure that you can get the recipes and you don't have mm-hmm. to necessarily mail order it or run to 10 different supermarkets to get the, the ingredients. So I would want to give that little thought and get back to you because I want to make sure that this is something that can be um, prepared without much difficulty.
0: I like that you're thoughtful about this instead of just putting things out there. So we'll put those in the show notes. I think that's a really good idea and direct okay. people right to your website and to the blog where we, they can make the seasonal recipes um, that are easy to make. So f- here's what I, I love about your cookbook. And my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law has met you before, but we went up to a destiny. We were up at your house visiting for the for the tour, the yard, uh, your garden tour but my mother-in-law loves your cookbook because it's practical and because it's simple. Um, And that's what she's told me about some of the recipes that she's prepared. And you can find this book on Amazon, right?
1: Well, as a matter of fact, the book, um, the the latest edition, which is from 2013, it's, I think it's sort of out of print right now and um, it won't be reprinted. um, But it's been, it's available now um, as a, as an ebook. Mm -hmm. on Amazon also, and um, I'm working on a new book. I've been doing this for a number of years now, in which I'm going to pour everything that I love about German cuisine. It will include regional recipes as well as other staples. So it will be kind of, yeah, the repertoire of everything that I love about German cuisine um, some adaptations because I'm here in America, so I always have to think about what can I get here. How do I have to adapt mm-hmm. be- and, and substitute? So that's that's very important because I really want to reach the um, the many um, people in America with not necessarily of German descent, but there are lots of people of German descent who are looking for to learn a little more about their culinary heritage. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it, but 46 million Americans with of German descent and uh the interest in German cuisine and in culinary heritage is growing and uh, that, that's really the group I want to um I want to prepare the recipes for them so that they can be accessible and they should be always authentic uh but they should also be accessible and um and so that's that's my
0: my goal. Okay. I think that's wonderful. So that's something we can look forward to. I think seeing from you. How can people find you Nadia online? What
1: is your website? Uh, spoonfulsofgermany.com is is my blog and um I I do this in my free time, so I don't blog very often and I usually work on a story for quite a bit and I don't feel this need to Um, crank out new stories all the time so uh, whenever I have a good topic I write about it and there's really no clear frequency but that's why I blog and then there's um, all the recipes are on a special like on the page with all the recipes listed and sometimes I contribute recipes elsewhere and then I also have um, a Facebook page where um, basically if I have something exciting to share or Mm -hmm. something that I feel I should um, rerun uh, some great recipes that I want uh, people to rediscover. I, I post them there. So,
0: and that's at spoonfuls of Germany, of course, too. Yes. Okay. And, um, I really appreciate your time, and thank you so much for sharing some recipes that are out of our normal thinking for Oktoberfest or German cuisine. And I think that um, we should get together. There was another topic that we wanted to talk about at a later date, and I can't remember what it is right now. But there was something. Do you remember what it was?
1: Yes, it was the uh, um, Cook Global uh, by Local.
0: yes. Okay, we'll have to get together. We'll do another um, podcast and talk about that because I know you're still involved very locally um, with sourcing local ingredients and coming up with creative recipes and inspiration. So we'll talk about that in another episode. Thank you so much for taking time out. I know you're really busy, and um, it's wonderful. It's always wonderful to talk with you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Okay. Thank you for tuning in, guys, and be sure to find um, Nadia's website, Spoonfuls of Germany. I know you'll enjoy it. Find her on Facebook as well. Uh, and then you can find the ebook on Amazon, which is uh, a really nice thing to have in the kitchen. Uh, so thank you for tuning in. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Subscribe to the podcast if you love talking food and lifestyle and healthy food habits. Thanks so much, guys. Bye.